We are back for another week in the world of Sasta with me, Harry Stebbings. It would be great to hear your feedback on the show, and you can do that on Instagram at hstebbings1996 with two Bs. I respond to all messages there personally, but to our guest today, and I'm thrilled to welcome Jason Reichel, founder and CEO at Go Nimbly, the first SaaS consultancy to focus on revenue operations. Growing 100% year over year, they work with customers to unsilo their operations and create one strategic revenue ops team to support their go-to-market strategy. In the past, Go Nimbly's helped companies like Zen desk, Twilio, PagerDuty, and Coursera to achieve alignment and increase revenue by 26%. As for Jason, prior to co-founding GoNimbly, he was Director of Product Management at TradeShift, and before that was VP of Product Management at LaneTix. But before we dive into the episode today with Jason, every week we talk briefly to a WePay partner in a mini-series to get their best advice on achieving success. Currently, we're talking to David J, founder at Agree.com. Agree.com provides attorney-approved contracts and payments for businesses and creatives. Smart creatives creatives and businesses use agree.com to make that business serve their life, not the other way around. Hi, Harry. So being decisive is more important than being right. And nowadays you don't have to be right in order to win. Let the market tell you whether you are right or not. And then, you know, backtrack when needed, but make adjustments, uh, use feedback and um, shape things for the market. Love that, David, and could not agree with you more. Being decisive is so important for successful growth. And for more on successful growth, we pay offers payments you can buy bank on. Now a JP Morgan Chase company, it offers you payments with bank scale and SMB distribution channels in addition to modern technology. Visit wepay.com forward slash Harry to find out more. That's wepay.com forward slash Harry. So we need to be decisive, but what are we decisive on? Well, Go Nimbly says revenue. They're the world's first revenue operations consultancy for SaaS companies. Revenue operations is a framework that makes revenue the key metric for your entire organization, resulting in more efficient and productive teams, a better customer experience, and maximized revenue. GoNimbly helps companies create an operational roadmap and executes work as an extension of their internal team. And if you want to know how siloed your business is, Jason has created a quiz, especially for today's episode, that will assess the state of your go-to-market teams and whether or not you're leaving revenue on the table because of silo syndrome. To take the quiz, just go to gonimbly.com forward slash Harry. And finally, if revenue is one core focus, your customers have to be the other. And Reviews.io is the first and only review platform to offer a truly unified Salesforce customer feedback management experience, enabling your business to save time and money while monitoring and improving customer service and revenue. In addition to Salesforce integration, Reviews.io also announces competitor analysis. This powerful tool gives businesses updated review scores and history for their chosen competitors, allowing them to spot trends in customer sentiment and take swift action. Collecting reviews for your business with Reviews.io, a Google licensed review partner, improves online visibility, click-through rates, and conversion by introducing star ratings across paid and organic Google search results. And even better, Reviews.io integrates with over 30 online platforms. So for your free product demo, sign up now at Reviews.io or search Reviews.io in the Salesforce app exchange and listeners get a free 30-day trial by simply mentioning the podcast when they sign up. However, you've heard quite enough from me. So now I'm very, very excited to hand over to Jason Reichel, founder and CEO at GoNimbly. Good. That's perfect. Okay. I think we're warmed up. Jason, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on the show today. I've heard many great things from Jason Lampkin, but thank you so much for joining me today, Jason. 
it's no problem. I'm excited to be here. I would though love to kick off today with a little bit about you. So tell me, how did you make your foray into what I know to be the wonderful world of SaaS and come to found Go Nimbly? Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career on the business side of consulting in the Salesforce space. I spent about 10 years doing that, working with all sorts of businesses, uh, moved to the Bay Area about 10 years ago. And when I moved there and worked in the Salesforce consulting space, I worked with a lot of high tech companies. And like a lot of people, I was seduced by it. And I became a VP of product at a couple companies, uh, the largest one being TradeShift. And when I was at TradeShift, I really loved working in product. I really loved working in SaaS. But I started noticing all these organizations that I had worked in. They knew how to build product, but they didn't actually know how to run businesses properly. They didn't understand how to align their go-to-market teams with their operations teams and be successful. So I started Go Nimbly, which is the world's first revenue operation consultancy focused primarily on SaaS companies. So we actually are the operators of SaaS companies and we come into organizations and help them streamline their go-to-market processes. Can I ask, just from like a structural insertion point, when is the right time then that you would ideally insert yourself into an organization and really kind of provide the value that you do? Is it from day one or is it post-product market fit, series A and beyond? What's that ideal insertion point where companies really need the help? Yeah, absolutely. At Go Nimbly, we primarily work with companies that are at least series B. We are either their entire operations team, um, so a BPO model, or we're augmenting parts of their organization where they don't have those skill sets. But we are a long-term subscription product. So our customers actually think of us as part of their team and we deploy a revenue operations team into their environment. So that's how it works. Really, we're working with a lot of Series C to IPO organizations. I'm sorry for digging. I am just too interested. In terms of a culture perspective, when you plant a fantastic Go Nimbly team within an organization, is it challenging to integrate you know, an implanted team into an existing culture? How do you guys think about that? That has been challenging because we are on the forefront of revenue operations, which is a new paradigm in operating. We're actually coming in and helping those organizations restructure into revenue operation organizations as well. And I think that gives us an advantage of being cultural leaders in those organizations to some degree. And then also, you know, we have a very unique skill set. So every one of our RevOps teams has someone that's a sales ops background, a marketing ops background, a technical development background, and a strategy background. And so the organizations really lean on us wherever they have those gaps. And that really allows a lot of value to occur. And so we don't really have a lot of problems with them rejecting it. In fact, we find that having an outside source who's been working with other SaaS companies in the same inflection point that that company's at has actually been a big boost to those organizations. No, I totally get you. And super interesting to hear about the kind of diversity of background there. But I do want to kick off today with something that you said to me before that was striking. You said you believe in eliminating the handoffs between GTM teams and the redundancy of MQLs and SQLs. So if we start on the handoff element and the why, why are handoffs damaging to an organization? And why do we need to eliminate them, Jason? I think before we begin in there, I wanted to break down how GoNimbly looks at roles of a SaaS company. I think it's pretty critical to understand that. So we view marketing, sales, and customer success as what we call your go-to-market team. They're essentially the front-end interface to your customer. And then we look at like sales, marketing ops, CS ops, as what we call your revenue ops team. And we put those into one unit called revenue team. So the reason I wanted to bring that up is because that's the context at which we look through the world. We only work with a revenue team. We don't work with your product team. We work, don't work with your business ops team. And when we're talking about MQLs and SQLs, we're really talking about one of these key handoffs that happen in the revenue team process, right? And anytime we begin to measure the revenue team on only internal factors, we tend to forget about what those MQLs and SQLs really are, which are potential buyers. We find all the time that people start to measure their own little you know, business units, you know, marketing measures that are on MQL, sales on SQL acceptance and things like that. And I think a critical piece is missed there, which is that they're people. 
those are people that want to buy your product potentially, and you are treating them like it's a volume game. And we found, you know, with working with customers over the last two years, that even if we increase MQLs or better define them or make SLAs for sales, what actually ends up happening is the numbers can improve, but they're not really improving to the degree that the organization wants. And so we've started to look at that and say, okay, if the goal is to create a personalized buying experience for your buyer, what kind of new metrics do we need to put in place to gauge that? And when we really focus on the buying experience and making it very personal to the buyer, we actually see a dramatic increase in revenue. And so MQL and SQL are what I call um, maybe a momentum or a KPI metric, but they shouldn't be how you're driving or measuring your teams. Can I ask, I had Ben Braverman, the CRO at Flexport on the show the other day, and he said, it's wonderful to have SDRs and account managers and sales reps, but it doesn't create the best personalized buying experience when you're continuously handed off to this separate specialized function. Would you agree with him here in terms of the loss of personalization with that handoff to different specialized functions and actually the need for one continuous relationship to guide someone through both the sales and also subsequently the customer success process? Yeah, absolutely. I think that swarming a buyer is a good thing. I think handoffs are a bad thing. So I think the more that you can involve members of your team, the more taken care of your buyer might feel like. So I don't think it's about having a single point of contact, but I think it's about making sure that the buyer understands the swarm that you're putting around them and what those functions are, but also feels very comfortable to move between your different functions without feeling like they're being handed off. You know, all of our research and all, you know, we've been doing this now hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of operational projects at SaaS companies about this buyer experience. And what we found is that essentially a buyer comes in now and after maybe getting qualified or spending a little bit of time on your website, they kind of know they want to buy your product. And what happens is all those handoffs create what we call personalized leakage, or I think some other people call it another term, you know, you know, just leakage in a funnel or something like that. But what actually happens is it just erodes the amount of money the buyer is going to spend. So someone comes in and start working with you or SDR and they have a bad experience there and then they get handed over to a sales rep and that goes okay. Maybe then they get a marketing email that says, hey, why don't you check out a demo, but they're already in the buying process and all of these things occur. And what actually happens is the customer doesn't decide not to buy. They just decide to sign a, a contract for less time or they decide to not bring on as many users. So you're actually hurting your LTV and you're essentially hurting your ability to get the biggest amount out of that customer from the very beginning. And so that's what we found over time. Can I ask you, so if that's what you find over time and absolutely fascinating to hear, if you were to present your ideal depiction of what that process would look like, what does that ideal process look like in your mind then in terms of optimizing the value pre-sale? Well, what really it means is you have to have more of an engagement model so that the customer is engaging and they're being, so something like lead score doing engagement score with those individuals. And I also, I'm a big proponent of an ABM process, even at a scaled version of it, where you're delivering a very personalized experience, either because you are going after, say, you know, a few target accounts, or you're going after a personalized experience because you really know your buyer and you're giving them everything they need in order to basically write the biggest check they can from day one. And that process doesn't look very different than what we do now, but it looks like a layered process. So instead of having all these handoffs, what you actually have, SDR, AE, and marketing person working together at the same time on that customer through the process. And that really requires a great operational team. And that's where GoNimbly comes in or, you know, at our customers, some of our customers have great operational teams to actually build a leak proof system. In order to do this personalized buying experience, you have to really be doing a system thinking type of exercise where you're thinking of your buying experience as an ecosystem. How does this element play to this other element in order to increase the value of the customer? Can I ask, I, I love the element of kind of swarming them with the AE, with the SDR and really engaging the multi-relationship from the offset. I do think though, like what value does these contracts have to have to really justify that swarming effect? Because it is less kind of cost effective from a margin 
perspective, bringing more people in earlier because they can obviously work on less. How do you think about what the minimum is and what it really needs to be to get the most out of it? Well, I mean, if you're a velocity-based business, you don't really need to touch your customer that much, right? In that case, the personalized buying experience can really be almost absent from people if you're a velocity-based SaaS company. We work with enterprise SaaS companies who have a lot of touches with their customer. And so a lot of where our experience comes from comes from the enterprise space where you're going to touch them and spend as much time on them in this process. If we did an old way, each person doing a handoff and passing to the next person, passing the next person, the total time spent is the same as if you swarm around it because you can actually move people faster through, through the internal stages that you might have. So what we found is it's actually not an increase of time for the enterprise. It's just a different way of organizing the enterprise. Yeah, no, absolutely. Can I ask, with the better personalization that you really get in that pre-sale process and that warming of the funnel, so to speak, do you see actually a reduction in sales cycle with that increased personalized process that the customer now experiences? Yeah, you absolutely see. I think we see, I, I don't want to give a, a percentage here that's not correct, but we actually see that things move faster through pipeline when, when the teams are highly focused together. And when we talk about together, you know, an SDR has a very specific role, which is getting someone committed to demo or whatever your engaged part of your pipeline looks like. And, and a sales rep has the unique ability to try to push people through the sales process. And a marketer is through that whole thing, trying to make sure that they're marketing directly to that persona and making sure it's a good experience and customer success is coming in and making sure the implementation goes right, as well as looking for upsell opportunity. Those people still have that, what I call obligation to the organization. That's an internal function, but to the customer, it shouldn't be obvious that that's their obligation, right? To the customer, they should feel very comfortable going through that personalized experience and really understanding that the entire team wants them to be successful. So, you know, a lot of our organizations, it's as simple as having the SDR that was part of the process, reach back out and kind of coordinate throughout the entire process, right? Not just the initial demo. And then that person becomes a coordination person and that becomes part of their role. And they also follow that customer through that process. You might bring your customer success person in earlier, maybe before you close the final deal. And the sales rep will continue to check in as a sort of an account executive for that account while they're going through the implementation process. So no, we're not really talking about changing the responsibilities of these roles. What we're talking about is changing how they're measured for success. So a typical SDR, maybe it's meet uh, demos booked or, or something like that. For the way that we look at it, it's about how engaged is that customer? How fast do they respond to that SDR? How much of a relationship has that SDR actually built over time? AE, can they reduce the time that someone's stuck by bringing other people on the customer side in order to build you know more collaboration between the customer and you know, in our, the SaaS companies that we work with? And on the customer success side, are you already talking implementation details, maybe in stage four of the sales cycle versus waiting until the very end? So the customer really feels taken care of in that environment. No, I love that change of measurement and metric-based approach. I do have to ask, the one thing that strikes me when hearing it, though, is just the element of alignment and the need for it without those differing functions. And when we chatted before, you said the need for everyone to have the same North Star metric being revenue. Now, I've had many guests on the show before, Jason, who've stated the importance of the North Star, but this is usually centered around NPS, usage, customer love, whatever that may be. So why do you think it has to be around revenue? Well, I think of the revenue team, like I mentioned, go-to-market and revenue operations being revenue and their North Star is revenue. And I actually find that it's the one thing in all SaaS companies that can't lie. You know, we all know how, you know, when we go fundraise, how to build a narrative that makes sense and can get us to the next phase of our company. But revenue doesn't really lie. And I like to do this thing where I do a baseline metric. So every month I go into Salesforce for all of our customers and I get the volume of opportunities they have, the value of those opportunities in each stage, their conversion rate, 
rate and their velocity rate. And I actually month over month set that. And then I measure it against benchmarks in the industry and with GoNimbly customers. And when we do that, we actually find that we can find operational problems across the entire organization by just looking at the pipeline. So as an example, if you have a lower than average conversion rate in stage one to two, it's probably a sign that the leads that are coming in are not of quality. And maybe that's a marketing operation project that we should do, that the revenue operations team should do. And so we actually used in pipeline and revenue as a very neutral ground to bring every element of the go-to-market team together. It's also pretty easy to base a lot of decisions on the sales pipeline because we have a lot of tools that are mature in place that we can actually do that with, right? Whereas other tools are still emerging and you know, how to measure the entire organization. Different SaaS companies are trying to figure that out. But right now, still, I think sales pipeline is the fastest and best place to look in order to look at how your revenue team is doing. And then as an operator, which is what GoNimbly is and who, what I do, we look at those places and go, wow, our demo to negotiation phase is really, really abysmal. It's really low. What's going on there? And then we would focus operational projects there. And I actually think that the key here, besides just looking at revenue, is actually treating your operations team as part of the revenue team as well, where their job is to increase revenue. Because we find when operators are focused on revenue, they can actually have about a 26% increase in revenue that's generated without hiring additional sales reps, without scaling anything else. And I think organizations aren't really looking at their operations team as part of the revenue team. I do totally get you. And I love that singular alignment around it and what it can uncover. I do have to ask it because one thing that concerns me is how do you think about creating that culture of ambition and tenacity to hit the revenue numbers, but without also being afraid that maybe the team will be dejected and demoralized if they don't hit their numbers when it's something as tangible as revenue that, as you said, it doesn't lie. That's a hard question. I think that they probably could deject and demoralize. I think it matters in a culture of, has that culture created a psychologically safe environment for people to really push themselves and really look at themselves in the mirror and go, hey, you know, we didn't hit what we're supposed to hit. I think sales reps do that all the time. I think it's actually beneficial for everyone to feel that pressure. I think that a lot of times in SaaS companies that we work with, people are handed out targets and they have no idea how they're going to hit them. And so I think there's a lot of issues there. I do believe that creating what I call vanity metrics to make teams feel good is not the right answer. And I do find that that's what most teams do. I see now that I'm super intrigued by. What do you mean by vanity metrics? I mean, in the way that SaaS companies currently exist and you have your teams and marketing has really changed over time. But 10 years ago, a marketing team might talk about open rates or click rates and things like that that show that what they're doing has value. And now we're seeing a little bit of that in the customer success team. And sales still does the same thing, right? We talk about how much pipeline someone's created, even though our closure rate might be 10% for this particular sales rep and we might get excited about how much they generated. Essentially, it's anything that doesn't actually have an impact to closed one deals. And I think there are such things. So I have, I have two types of things. And when we go into organizations, your vanity metrics and what I call your KPIs are different for every organization. So it's, it's not easy just to give you a list of them. But vanity metrics are things that exist only to validate that departmental function. Can I ask, what should one do? Say a founder listening today, so goes, oh shit, I do have a ton of vanity metrics for the different functions that we have. What should they do? Should they keep them in place because that's what the teams are used to? Should they rip them out and say, hey, we're all aligning on revenue now as the core driver? What would you advise them who have them already in place? Yeah, I would say rip them out, um, align to revenue. Now, when the first thing you're going to find when you align to revenue is if you're measuring month over month revenue impact of the different things you're doing, that's going to take time. So you're going to need some KPIs, some momentum-based metrics that show that you're pointed in the right direction. And that can still be MQLs created, for instance. That still can be SQLs. But if you see that you're generating X MQLs and you're not changing revenue, then that's your first sign that it's actually a vanity metric for your organization and not a momentum-based metric. And maybe 
biggest number of demos that's actually a momentum-based metric. So what you need to find is you need to find those pre-levers before revenue that actually are indicators of momentum of success. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you. And I'm pleased to hear about the importance of ripping them out. In terms of the alignment itself, I, I do speak to obviously also many founders on the show, and it kind of seems to be a commonality that they always feel that alignment should be the end goal of revenue operations. Is that the right mindset to take, Jason? How should they think about this? I actually think that once you put a North Star in place, alignment becomes no issue. In organizations that have really adopted revenue being the how you know your revenue team is measured, and the go-to-market team is, is aligned to it, and the operations team, the revenue operations team is aligned to it, quickly people find is they become one team. And when you become one team, you're really aligned. People don't talk about misalignment between sales reps, but that does occur, right? You know, one sales rep might have one way of doing something, another might have another, and there might be a discussion about it, but ultimately they're on the same team, so they work it out. I find that alignment is a precursor to this thing that I call silo syndrome, which is this idea of protecting your silo and wanting to hand things over and having a handshake be the end of it. And I find in organizations that the more we talk about alignment, the less we're focused on customer. So I really do find it slightly offensive when people talk about revenue operations and they talk about it as alignment because your operators and revenue operations are working for the customer. Your marketing team is working for the customer. The customer's success team and sales team are also working for the customer. So what I find it to be really confusing is that we shouldn't be working for ourselves. And when we talk about alignment, we talk about how to make our jobs easier internally. So it's actually, for me, a dirty word, a word I don't like to talk about. I think we talk about it way too much. I think we talk about making our jobs way too easy. We're in a career field that's exploding. SaaS is an amazing place to work in, and it should be hard. You know, we're on where some of us are doing cutting edge work, and it should be difficult. But what is the thing that I think most about is that alignment only occurs because people don't have something else to point to. And so if you give them that North Star and really hammer on it, things can change. The other thing about North Star is the way that I actually look at organizations and SaaS companies, I think this is helpful for anyone listening. You have actually two flywheels in your organization. You have what I described as the go-to-market team and revenue operations team, usually led by a CRO or, or someone like that. And their North Star should be revenue. And then on the other side of that, you have your product team and your biz ops team. And their North Star should be growth or margin or any of your typical SaaS North Stars. But a lot of times organizations want to have one North Star across the board. And I actually don't think that works very well, right? Because often that North Star becomes a SaaS. A good go-to-market team, a good op- revenue operation team could sell any SaaS product, right? And so really they should be tied to revenue and not based on how well the product is doing in a growth percentage. I mean, I have to say, this is when uh, I, I wish I, I created a longer podcast. I, I think I could chat for ages on this. I do want to move into my quick fire round though, Jason. So I say a short statement and you give me your immediate thoughts. Are you ready to rock and roll? Yes, let's go. Okay, so no man's land in SaaS pricing, commonly hailed, but does it really exist or not really? I don't think it exists. Why? I don't have a good answer for it. It's, it's something that I go back and forth on a lot, but I have not really seen it in practice. The hardest role to hire for today that you've observed and, and why you think that is? The hardest role to hire for is definitely marketing roles because marketing is very broad and you can very easily hire a specialist instead of a generalist. And I think that slows your growth down. Multi-year deals, are they always amazing? Is there anything to watch out for? How do you think about them? I like multi-year deals. They always are pretty amazing for validating the organization. The thing you should watch out for is discounting too heavily before you have your pricing and product fit. Absolutely. How do you feel about channel or partner sellers? Well, I think for most SaaS businesses, channel and partner sellers are probably a good thing in early days. I think that if you can control your buyer experience, you should. And that's part of my messaging. Um, But sometimes, you know, you need that velocity of having a partner 
channel or you know someone out there on your behalf if you just can't reach everyone that you need to. Now, this is my favorite, Jason, of all. Uh, it's also probably the toughest. What do you know now that you wish you'd known at the beginning of your time with Go Nimbly? I wish that we would have understood the value of helping companies operationalize themselves better. I think that very early on, we worked with some very amazing companies and we didn't have that language yet. And we were really focused on tools and process and not really reorganizing these organizations to be more effective. And I think we missed some pretty big opportunities with companies that are now doing amazing things. Jason, as I said, I've heard so many great things. I hate the fact that I keep my show so short, but I would love to have you back on for a second round. And thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. What a fantastic guest. And as you could hear from my excited tone, I absolutely loved having Jason on the show there. And if you'd like to see more from us behind the scenes here at Sasta, you can on Instagram at hstebbings1996 with two Bs. It would be great to see you there. But before we leave you today, every week we talk briefly to a WePay partner in a mini-series to get their best advice on achieving success. Currently, we're talking to David J, founder at Agree.com. Agree.com provides attorney-approved contracts and payments for businesses and creatives. Smart creatives and businesses use a Agree.com to make that business serve their life, not the other way around. Hi, Harry. So being decisive is more important than being right. And nowadays, you don't have to be right in order to win. Let the market tell you whether you are right or not. And then, you know, backtrack when needed, but make adjustments, uh, use feedback and um, shape things for the market. Love that, David, and could not agree with you more. Being decisive is so important for successful growth. And for more on successful growth, we pay offers payments you can bank on. Now at JP Morgan Chase Company. It offers you payments with bank scale and SMB distribution channels in addition to modern technology. Visit WePay.com forward slash Harry to find out more. That's WePay.com forward slash Harry. So we need to be decisive, but what are we decisive on? Well, Go Nimbly says revenue. They're the world's first revenue operations consultancy for SaaS companies. Revenue operations is a framework that makes revenue the key metric for your entire organization, resulting in more efficient and productive teams, a better customer experience and maximized revenue. Go Nimbly helps companies create an operational roadmap and executes work as an extension of their internal team. And if you want to know how siloed your business is, Jason has created a quiz, especially for today's episode, that will assess the state of your go-to-market teams and whether or not you're leaving revenue on the table because of silo syndrome. To take the quiz, just go to gonimbly.com forward slash Harry. And finally, if revenue is one core focus, your customers have to be the other. And Reviews.io is the first and only review platform to offer a truly unified Salesforce customer feedback management experience. Enabling your business to save time and money while monitoring and improving customer service and revenue. In addition to Salesforce integration, Reviews.io also announces competitor analysis. This powerful tool gives businesses updated review scores and history for their chosen competitors, allowing them to spot trends in customer sentiment and take swift action. Collecting reviews for your business with Reviews.io, a Google licensed review partner, improves online visibility, click-through rates, and conversion by introducing star ratings across paid and organic Google search results. And even better, Reviews.io integrates with over 30 online platforms. So for your free product demo, sign up now at Reviews.io or search Reviews.io in the Salesforce app exchange and listeners get a free 30-day trial by simply mentioning the podcast when they sign up. As always, I cannot thank you enough for tuning in and I'm very excited to bring you another phenomenal episode next week.